Hello and welcome to FTP for Triathlon People, episode 22. I'm Morgan. I'm Cameron. And we're here still at home. We are coming to you live from Gobo in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. A beautiful weekend here. Yeah, yesterday it was rainy. It, was, it wasn't that bad. It was like thundering in the distance. Our we were, weather app was like 100% chance of rain and thunderstorm, lightning. And the whole day we were looking out the window like, is it raining yet? Is it raining yet? We yeah. had procrastinated our run to the just long enough. <laughs> but we went out in the rain and by the end it was like a beautiful sunset. It was nice. It was nice. But I think we are officially... We like completely just skipped spring here and we're now basically in summer. I disagree. I think we had a nice spring. There was a little bit of snow, which was like, it was which like spring was, with a, a little twist of winter. Which is why it was still winter with a hint of spring, <laughs> in my opinion. And then it just went straight into summer now. Yeah. I mean, I was waking up and wearing like my, my like fleece kind of thing. Yeah. Outside doing my work. My hands were a little cold. But then by like 10 a.m., I had to, I was wearing shorts and sunscreen and it was hot. All right. So there we go. Um, I guess we'll leave it up to our listeners to decide whether that's winter with a hint of spring or spring with a twist of winter. Anyways, um, our first, I guess, what? I guess I would consider this, do you want to consider this Cam's Corner, this segment? Or just, oh boy. Or just our main segment? Wait, what is this segment? Every the, time you look at me and you're like, it's time for the segment. And I'm like, I literally don't know the which main one segment. The one we took all these notes on. Oh, let's not call this Cam's Corner because we do have a Cam's Corner later, right? Uh, just like one thing, yeah. Okay, so let's keep this separate. All right. We're this will be this Morgan's Corner. No, I thought it was Morgan's Moment or something like no, that. No, it's Morgan's PSAs. <laughs> That's something completely different. Anyways. Totally separate. Our main segment tonight. I mean, we have a bone to pick. I feel like every time. Oh, yeah. All of our main segments are our typically bones like. To pick. What yeah. does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> we have a bone to pick. Anyways, what this this brand came onto the market very suddenly. What was it? Just like last year, basically? Okay, so yes and no. They used to be called something different. They came onto the scene as... I feel like every time I bury the lead. So th- we're talking about Amp Human here. The topical ointment. No, lotion. The lotion, sorry. That um, professes to reduce the effects of lactate and allow you to recover faster, work harder, so on and so forth. That's my words, not Amp Human's words. It used to be called Topical Edge. Yes. And then they renamed, when did they rename? Do you have that date? I don't. Oh, yes. 2018? They they changed late 2018. So basically they jumped onto the market, at least from what I saw, in like last year when they really made some moves. So apparently they were getting made fun of for their name Topical Edge. Why? <laughs> they were like, is it Tropic Thunder? Is it Tropical Edge? Is this a sports drink or an ointment or a lotion? Sorry. Um, so that's a little bit of backstory for you. Anyways. So. To- anyway, you're right. Like we, we've heard a lot of them, a lot about them with Lucy uses them. I think. 
like Team Cam Worth, uses them in general. A lot of big name triathletes, or at least those two triathletes I can name off the top of my head use it and like swear by it. And, and like, then they were also used in the Olympics, right? Or I something? Don't know. The said, NFL. Said both Super Bowl teams use it. So basically we're here to talk about does this product actually work? Or rather, can it be proven that it actually works? Right. Um, and the short answer to that is wait and see <laughs> okay <laughs> we're not gonna give it away that easily apparently yeah why just give <laughs> give all the listeners the answer within the first 30 seconds of our podcast just plus 10 plus and 10 then, plus 10 <laughs> yeah jeez all right go ahead you you start this one off then no you start it off because i because i'll get into all the stupid science facts all right yeah i actually had to um pull cam into the research for this one because it was just beyond, they were p-values, and I don't really know what that means. Statistical significance, we all know how I did in statistics. Yeah, yeah I had the hardest teacher, but anyway. Um, okay, so for me, looking at this, my first thought is, it reminds me a lot of Ben Gay, right? It's something I used in cross-country. I had a lot of shin splints in cross country in high school and I was just like yeah just throw some Bengay on it and it never really did anything like it made it tingly and cold right, right. but it didn't really it didn't really solve my problem I was never injury free with this right lotion it's just like a band-aid it's just it's barely a band-aid honestly it's like I mean, a distraction yeah exactly that's what it is it like takes the pain it's like I mean, and it smells so good. Like the smell of Bengay is just like, ugh, oof, I don't know that. if good smelling is the right word. Maybe just it depends. It's like, it's like it's like gasoline. It's like some people love the smell of gasoline. Other Manure. people, yeah. Ugh. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, basically a band aid, basically just a distraction. Um, and as I feel like maybe we all know, if not, the active ingredient the main active ingredient of Bengay is menthol, and then there's camphor and menthol salicylate. Did I, I pronounce that correctly? I don't know. Salic salicylate? No, definitely know. a soft C. Anyway, menthol is the one that makes it minty and tingly. Yeah. Right? Okay, so my suspicions were confirmed that this is very similar to Bengay. Let me also just make the disclaimer that of the lotions we will be talking about today, I've used... And that is Bengay and Neptune Ice. Um, <laughs> I've not even used Icy Hot like in my entire life. Um, so we looked up the active ingredients or the drug facts of Amphumin, and their only active ingredient is menthol. And the active ingredient of men like the concentration of menthol is 0.5%. And if you look at the other lotions, that is Bengay, Icy Hot, Rock Sauce, Neptune Ice, those are the four big ones, um, they also have menthol among their active ingredients. Those addition, those alternative four um, actually have other actives in addition to menthol. Um, and all of their menthol concentrations. concentrations are significantly higher than that of Amphumin PR lotion. So did I say menthol was 0.5% in Amphumin yet? Yeah, 0.5% okay. in Amphumin. And then Neptune Ice is 1%, Rock Sauce is 10%, Icy Hot is 10%, and Bengay is also 10%. Um, so active ingredient more. concentration is like way higher in these others. Yeah. That said, Amphumin claims that sodium bicarbonate, 
on their website, they call it bicarb, right? Yeah, yeah. That just cracks me up. That's just the shortened version. It's slang. Okay. They're being so cool about it. Anyway, they say that sodium bicarbonate is their... Is like That's like their claim to fame. It, they they make it seem like that's the active ingredient, right? Yes. Their their first paragraph on their science page is oral sodium bicarbonate has been used for decades as an ergogenic. Did I pronounce that right? Ergogenic. Thank you. Aid by buffering muscle acid production during exercise and subsequently delaying the onset of fatigue in athletes. However, gastrointestinal side effects limit the use of sodium bicarbonate as like an oral supplement so right. they're they're proposing a topical supplement so basically bicarb. it's been proven there's a lot of research out there a lot like many journal articles many pages of google scholar articles yes that both oral and iv sodium bicarbonate actually reduce the amount of lactic acid however like every single one of these articles also states that if you take too much of it or any i mean any concentration of it for various athletes it can upset your gi Right, and that's like the main reason why Amphuman exists to try and find some alternative to ingesting it, and yeah. So, so they created this lotion. Yes. Now, last thing I'll say about ingredients, probably not the last thing I'll say about ingredients, no. but anyway, according to Amphuman Drug Facts, sodium bicarbonate is an inactive ingredient in the Amphuman lotion. So the only active ingredient is menthol 0.5% concentration. Right. So from what we're taking away from this is basically according to the FDA, um, the Food and Drug Administration, which like is a pretty monitors big, all is, of this. Yeah, monitors <laughs> everything medical and like whatever. Basically, from at least what that means is that Amp Human and science itself has not proven that sodium bicarbonate does anything. Um, I think you should quote the. So basically. An active ingredient versus an inactive ingredient, according to the FDA, is intended to furnish pharmacological activity or other direct effect in the diagnosis, cure, mitigation, treatment, or prevention of disease, or to affect the structure or any function of the body of humans or other animals. So basically, because it's sodium bicarbonate is listed as an inactive ingredient, it doesn't have any effect whatsoever on humans. It's basically... Their definition, at least as topically, a topical, as a yeah. topical, according to the FDA, is basically what that means. So take with that what you will. I mean, that to me is pretty damning in and of itself. Yeah. There are a number of other creams out there. Like the others we're looking at, Rock Sauce claims capsaicin. Neptune Ice hilariously has lidocaine in it, which is a numbing, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, it's numbing. Which is like so wild to me. Um, and then... Yeah, I mean, I think there are a number of other actives and inactives that each of these producers are claiming to be, like, their difference, right? Like, what sets them apart. Right. Um, but, I mean, if I, I think if it's not an active ingredient, I don't know if it can be counted as your, as what sets you apart. Right. It's just like adding water. Yeah. Anyways. Is sodium bicarbonate... Um, um, baking, baking soda. soda? Okay. Yes, it's baking soda. So theoretically speaking, this is just like me not being a scientist, not knowing what a p-value is. Could I theoretically like put two tablespoons of baking soda in some like water or even like um, Cetaphil like lotion, right? And just like rub that in my sunscreen and rub that on. I have no idea. What Let's human, test it. What Amphibian claims is that they've somehow like 
made it so that it can be transdermal and go through your skin, which is either they like, like, so basically skin in dermatological sense, it is a barrier and that's what it's there for. And so medications, you have to form a molecule small enough to penetrate your skin. And that's why a lot of medications like can't get through your skin. We should also have the disclaimer that Cam is like an actual derm expert. Well, I right? worked in dermatology for two years, so. <laughs> so, like, you get this. Yeah. Um, and also, a scientist. Okay. Anyways. All right, here we go. Now into the good science stuff. So, basically, Amp Human, on their website, they have a whole section that, like, references. Headliner science. Yeah, that references what, or, like, how it's been proven. So, we'll get into that. But basically... The biggest thing they take away and that they advertise that we're like that we're like focusing. Well, let's just get into the main science because we'll get into what the whole issue is or our biggest issue. Um, but basically, there are what I think three studies that they basically focused on. I think it's two, right? They had the San Diego. Yeah, but those were had... two in itself, and then they had a third. Oh, okay, and then yeah, there was a third like independent. I don't know if it was peer-reviewed. Source endurance. Source yeah, endurance. Source endurance. Okay. So basically, the first one, um, the first one by San Diego State, there were like two different authors. One by the main author is Kern. Um, and basically, what they did is they took 20 trained cyclists and a professional triathlete, um, whatever, randomized, crossover, double-blind, placebo-controlled study. Wait, you want to... I know that it's we're not scientists and we're not a science study, but I mean podcast. What does that mean? Quickly, yeah, just like tell us. I mean that means that nobody knows. Like basically, you have a bunch of cyclists, and there are two bottles, one labeled A and one labeled B, and they basically, at least from what I've read, I mean this one doesn't specify it, but in the other one, the source endurance study, it states it, but. Basically, all of the ingredients in the two lotions are the same except for the sodium bicarbonate, so that even means the menthol, the active ingredient, should be the same across both bottles, but that's not stated in this study, which was a thing of note. Um, But basically, there are two bottles. They randomly hand them out. Nobody handing them out knows which bottles they're, they're getting, and neither do the athletes. The only people who know are the people controlling the study back in wherever that's being hosted at. Um, Yeah. So the placebo obviously doesn't have sodium bicarbonate and the like one that they're studying does. So the theoretically they'd feel as close to the same as you could get them to feel. Yeah. Well, Although, I mean, feel, what do you mean feel? Like putting them on, you wouldn't know which one was which. Is I the have idea. no idea. But is Maybe, that the idea? I mean, I guess, but you, you just wouldn't know which one you're getting. Okay. One might be thicker than the other, but that doesn't mean you know which one has it and which one doesn't. Got it, got it, got it. Anyways, um... So basically, there were two days of testing. Um, basically, they had the athletes bike. Um, I I don't know if this one had the Wahoo kicker as like the bike thing. They just say that they biked. The research study that they published was like honestly pretty flimsy. It was like it's like three paragraphs. It was literally three paragraphs. So also take with that what you will. It literally I mentioned this to Cam. It literally just looks like a like undergraduate senior. I, I wouldn't even say that. It science looks like a, it looks like an eighth grade science project. <laughs> but it's clearly not. I mean, they're 
they're they're professionals. They're from I'm not trying to call university. them out, but it's like I'm used to seeing studies as like 13 pages. Well, it doesn't need to be 13 everything. pages, but like a page. This is like <laughs> literally three paragraphs. Yeah. Anyways, um, so they basically do like a workout, and the warm up is like biking until they hit a rate of perceived exertion, and that's basically like how do you how hard do you perceive this and they did it on a scale uh from what one zero to, to 20 zero to 20 and they had them bike until they reached a rate of perceived exertion to 17 and that was like their warm-up and they didn't measure that that was just like i think like a standardized warm-up then their studies were a 30 second sprint followed by a five minute recovery a five minute time trial followed by a five minute recovery and then on the second day they had the um Subjects warm up again, uh, but this one wasn't the our rate of perceived exertion seventeen. They just had them warm up, um, and then a one hour time trial, and that was it. So the three things they measured were the thirty second sprint, five minute time trial, and then the one hour time trial. Um, Can and- I also just say, just because we called this out in the plant based episode, yeah, all of these small sample size studies yeah i find so challenging to believe well this is just i mean yeah i mean this is really hard because they're basing the majority of this is proven to work on one study of 22 people or 21 21 people people across two days of testing right and there's a fatigue involved there there's pre-training we don't know how what they look like beforehand if they're coming into a rest week if they're in a build week we have no idea what there are so many variables yeah Anyways, um, they measured heart rate, rate of perceived exertion, blood lactate, and pH, like before, during, and after all of these tests. So basically the results, um, so it's pretty interesting actually. Um, the things that they published or like cited were heart rate and rate of perceived exertion were significantly lower. So they had a p-value of under 0.05, which is in science what you're looking for to state something is statistically significant. Um, For the sodium bicarbonate compared to placebo at the 15-minute mark of the one-hour time trial, but not at other time points. So let me say that again. Only heart rate and rate of perceived exertion, not lactate, which is what they're advertising, was less... At the 15-minute mark of the one-hour time trial, but not at other time points. So just at the 15-minute mark of the one-hour time trial, not any time after that. After the one-hour time trial, it was literally the exact same. As Whether, if you had put on the placebo. Yeah, yeah. You might as well not have been using it. Um, the thing that actually was proven, or like whatever, to their advertising, um, when the sodium bicarbonate was applied, lactate was higher after the high intensity ramp so they're like rate of perceived exertion 17 warm-up um the 30 second sprint and the five minute time trial series um so and that that one was really kind of confusing because the sodium or their lactate levels were actually higher after these than lower so i guess they're saying that you can push harder and not feel the effects so your lactate is higher but that that's a leap that I don't think, as a scientist, you should let your readers. I know. Make. I, don't, I don't really get that. There, like, it would be so simple to just put a sentence in that's like, "This means while using this lotion, you can work harder," right? Yeah. Because, I mean, 
this that sentence your lactate is higher at the end of the 15 second sprint or whatever it was 30 mm-hmm. second sprint that sentence alone disproves everything amphuman is claiming right. that like they what does it metabolize help you metabolize your lactic acid mm-hmm. so that to me reading that makes me think that this is all a load of lies i guess i don't right? know but, but this, i mean it's statistically the significant is something we made right and we assume that they mean you can push harder and reach like that rpe rate of perceived exertion a higher r you know what i mean like reach that rpe with more lactate buildup which means you're working harder right no it means that like you can push through more, but the rate of perceived exertion is less, or not less, but it's like the same. Other okay. other things to note, um, what they're considering significant. I mean, granted, their p value is less than zero point zero five, which is again what you're looking for. But it was where is that figure? Okay, so that zero point or whatever the p value of under zero point zero five, um, the heart rate was the difference of 178 to 181. So three beats per minute um, was statistically significant, which I, I mean, obviously statistically significant, but like, yeah, that isn't that huge of a, I mean, you're not changing zones or anything. <laughs> like training zones. Like it's not comparing like zone two to zone three, you're still in that training zone. Um, and also the rate of perceived exertion, um, those numbers, it looks like on their graph at the 15 minute mark at no other time it's the exact same perceived exertion it's only at the 15 minute mark of that one hour time trial it looks like the difference between with the placebo it's at about 13 and with the sodium bicarbonate it looks like it's like 13.5 maybe it looks like basically there was like one again this is a super tiny study 20 people but it looks like one dude was like having a rough day and put a 20 down when everybody else put like a 13 but or literally he could have put a 14 down and yeah. everyone else put a 13 yeah so but again they were statistically significant so is what it is but again it's so easy when you have two testing days 20 people right to have that be or 21 people i'm sorry i keep saying 20 because they wrote 20 trained cyclists and a professional triathlete which is just like tell me 21 people yeah um but it's so easy to achieve statistical significance with those low numbers right but basically again the biggest thing was this is only observed anything under five 15 minutes had any statistical significance um, they again state that nothing was observed as after the one hour time trial. Um, yeah. So basically their conclusions from that study, um, basically they state that sodium bicarbonate can significantly impact blood, blood lactate, heart rate, and rate of perceived exertion during performance tests of varying intensity and late length. That is like a very vague statement because that's like. They just wanted to prove their hypothesis, probably because they're getting paid by Amp Human. But no, was, don't say that. But that is, I mean, like they wanted to prove something of their hypothesis, so they just stated a very general fact. Yeah. Yeah, they just said that they do significantly impact it. They didn't say where. It oh does. my gosh, you're actually right. What? Amp Human Performance, the manufacturers of this lotion, provided an unrestricted research grant grant and placebo products for testing yeah so they did they gave money to do this they They were like here's our product please do it yeah 
Um, so basically, they say that their findings support the ability of this lotion to transdermally deliver sodium bicarbonate, which could allow athletes to avoid the side effects of oral bicarbonate use, which again can cause GI issues. They go on to state that further research is warranted to substantiate these findings and determine the most effective use for this commercially available transdermal sodium bicarbonate lotion. And from what we can tell, no further research has been done. Yeah. Other than this one other study we'll talk about. The the main takeaway from that one, I think, is that Amphuman advertises on their website that their lotion can be used for up to four to six hours is what they say is like their prime time. However, there is literally no data that supports that claim. At least in this study. At least in this study, that's 15 minutes or less. So if your event is 15 minutes or less, you could save three beats per minute and a <laughs> 0.5 rate of perceived exertion and have one less millimole per liter of lactic acid. Or sorry, one greater millimole per liter of lactic acid. Which uh, we're guessing means you worked harder and didn't feel like you were working harder. Yeah. Okay. And I will also, sorry, before we go on, also say I know these are like small gains and we're making light of the, we're challenging the statistical significance of it, right? Right. Um, but I also recognize that we and a lot of our listeners and all of the pros are working for those marginal gains. And maybe that 3.4 whatever beats per minute really does matter yeah but that's that's only for across 15 minutes that doesn't i mean iron man the pros like lucy or cam they're going over eight hours so 15 minutes isn't even their swim so yeah um let's go on to the next one so the next one actually also san diego state in this one, the major, t- I guess they were studying muscle soreness. Um, and so they were doing tests. It's this one. Um, so they're doing tests to study muscle soreness. Um, basically, what they found is that there's a 53% reduction in delayed onset muscle soreness um, when compared to the placebo. I guess there was a actual increase in muscle soreness when they used the placebo of 34 percent interesting and that was statistically significant um yeah that was that one so it actually can like i guess i guess that one does prove their point of like it helps you with muscle soreness but that doesn't really prove the lactic acid during i I guess it does prove lactic acid because that's what makes you sore but it doesn't really prove that it impacts your performance Other than, like, you're not as sore. Recovering faster, right? Yeah. And I guess it would make sense that the control had an increase because, like, you're going to get sore after a workout. And if you don't have sodium bicarbonate in your lotion that you're putting on, you're going to experience those same DOMS symptoms. Right. That would be, like, that Pete, this amp human is... Right. Yeah, and basically this was done done under the exact same test. It was just done by a different author, so the exact same 30 seconds, the five-minute time time trial, and the one-hour time trial. But they were just measuring the DOMS rather than the rate of perceived exertion, heart rate, and, like, lactic acid buildup. Do we know if this is the same people? The same 21? It looks like it was the same 20 trained cyclists and one professional triathlete. Um 
Yeah, so I would assume it's the exact same people, and it's subjected over a two-day period. They don't mention that it's the exact same people in the same Probably test. The exact same. But it's literally the exact same lab with the exact same funding, with the exact same 20 people, or with what they claim are the 20 people and one professional triathlete, so I would assume that it's all the same. But um, they basically graded this on, like, a subjective scale, Um and like the people, the subjects like graded themselves on a zero to one hundred percent scale. Um, zero was no soreness, twenty five was mild pain, fifty was moderate pain, seventy five was severe pain, and one hundred was the worst pain you can imagine in terms of soreness. So this was a subjective test, um, but they said again that there's fifty three percent reduction in delayed onset muscle soreness. So. That is that. Um, and then the last one um, was done by Source Endurance. Um, and basically, their study, completely separate. Um, basically, they took eight volunteer competitive cyclists and they subjected them to a six-day study and given workouts and basically on day four and six um days one two and three and day five all had like the same standard workout and day four and six were like high intensity intervals until exhaustion testing basically um and these were 30 seconds of 140 percent like your ftp power and then 20 seconds of rest and then you just do them until you can no longer do them so like until failure um and obviously this was like a blind placebo controlled test just like the other ones and it turns out that athletes who were using the placebo um did not perform as well with the ones using the sodium bicarbonate lotion they actually did um about 20 percent more intervals of those tests than the ones who were using the placebo um so yeah that is that is it, I guess. Okay, so what does that prove for us in terms um, of AF human? Like, what are our main takeaways? So, I think the main takeaways are there are literally three studies that these people are basing their tests on. With cumulatively 30 people. 29. 29 people. 29, I rounded up. <laughs> cumulatively 29 people. Um, obviously, all the things that they're, like, claiming true obviously have statistically significant values but the things that they are proving are basically muscle soreness is reduced um you can do more high intensity intervals on day four and six if you i mean i don't know and i guess that again my logical reaction based on what you just said about muscle muscle soreness is that you're just not as sore right right and like and that is something that it's human claims, right? Is that they it helps you recover faster because you're reducing DOM symptoms, right? Reducing lactic acid. Reducing yeah. lactic acid. But at the same time, the other study almost disproves that you're reducing lactic acid. And it absolutely disproves that this 15 minutes, four to six hours thing. Yeah. Where, like, it's only effective up to 15 minutes. Right. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I guess the main takeaway is this, like, it, Amphuman effectively reduces muscle soreness, but it really doesn't improve your performance other than if you are 
under a 15 minute event, 15 minutes or less. Um, and that their active ingredient actually isn't considered to do anything according to the FDA. I think that's also like something significant. Um, basically what I think is I think that, I, I mean, I don't know the muscle soreness thing. I think that's definitely like, okay, maybe there is some sodium bicarbonate that gets into it or that gets into your system through mm -hmm. your skin because obviously your muscle soreness decreases and that's what it claims to do. However, like, with your immediate performance, I think it doesn't really do anything other than like a menthol sensation, which lasts 15 minutes. And that sounds about right. Cause when I've ever used Ben gay or something like this, it lasts about 15 minutes. And then it just feels like, like a scungy material on your skin. Like it just, there's nothing, there's no feeling anymore. It's just like, you see the residue on your skin, right? You feel it tingling for like 15 minutes and that goes away. I feel like I, it lasted for me for a long really? time. Really? The menthol, yeah. I like wow. remember it at the end of cross-country races. And well, mine I mean, were definitely not 15-minute 5Ks. Yeah, but they're like 20-minute. My PR was 20-minute. My average was like 25. <laughs> I, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I... What are your takeaways? I think The that... same thing. And I think there's also something to be said in support of the placebo effect, even if this is a placebo effect, right? So Yeah, but they proved that the statistically significant p-value proves against the placebo. But I think there's still a placebo with any lotion. The same thing happens with, like, Bengay. <sighs> right? Morgan wants a study of them not applying anything, applying <laughs> the lotion with the menthol, and then applying the lotion with the menthol and the sodium bicarbonate. I want to see it. But then that doesn't prove... <sighs> I just want to see, like... Is menthol what's helping people? Because because Bengay, Icy Hot, what, Neptune Ice, Ice or whatever, yeah. Rock Sauce, they all claim the same thing. Is that like, it's a temporary reduction of muscle soreness, pain, whatever. Which is the exact same thing that Ampumin is claiming while they also claim these additional pieces. But like, is if menthol is the thing that's really doing it, I want to I wanna see the studies. I wish that I had money to fund these studies. But what I'm basically saying here is that I'm we're not telling you not to use Ampumin. I'm not I don't think it will hurt people unless you eat yeah, it. I mean like but, and yeah. it could be helping you. And there are pieces of this that we have proven or have Yeah, especially the, the muscle truth. soreness thing. I mean mm -hmm. that is a that is a big deal. I don't know if that's the menthol or the baking soda. I mean but but menthol doesn't reduce muscle soreness. It would be the baking soda that reduces the lactic acid buildup. What? I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know if it's worth the money. I'm just saying opinion. rub lidocaine all over your body and then you okay, don't get sore. Don't do that either. <laughs> lidocaine is like a topical anesthetic. It is does not do anything with muscle soreness. So is it just numbing? Yes. Like, it Lidocaine just numbs just your numbing. body. Yes. <laughs> Neptune Ice is just shipping out, like... <laughs> it's not that strong. 4% is not that strong. When we did procedures, like, topically lidocaine, it's, like, 23%. And that'll, like, numb you. Yeah. Okay. But then, like, if we inject it, it's a totally different story. Right, right, right. No, of course. But basically, my, my takeaway is I know a lot of our listeners use Ampumin. Lucy Charles, we know you're a huge fan. Um. <laughs> Cam Morph, obviously. Cam Morph listens because we share a name and like we're best buds. No, but I know that people buy into it. I think 
like I have similar feelings about alt red, which is something that like I've tried and have like maybe something. felt the placebo effect from, and maybe it's not even a placebo. Maybe it does work, right? Like there are a lot of these new tech, specifically supplements. I think right now, um, that people are buying, tra- into. buying into, trying out, and like really feel strongly about. Like if you Google Amphumin, there are tons and tons of um, supporters. Yeah. Forums. Forums, thank you. I was about to be like, what are those Reddit things called? There are tons of forums where people are like, this is the best thing that's happened to me. I love it. Like, I use it every day for training and then also for races. And, right, like, we're not trying to tell you not to do anything. It's the same thing with plant-based, right? We had this conversation with you, and we're not trying to tell you don't do plant-based, but we're trying to tell you that, like, maybe it's not, maybe it's not all that it's chalked up to be, right? Yeah, and... I mean, it's the same thing with, like, recovery, too. It's, like, like do Normatec boots really work? I don't know. It's, like, if you... Or if do you, they just feel real good? Yeah, it's, like, if you fully believe in something and, like, you, like you're invested, there's obviously a lot of evidence that placebos do work. If it's working for you, keep doing it. Yeah, I right? agree. Yeah. Like chamois cream. Chamois cream does... <laughs> That's never worked for me. Uh. <laughs> Cam loves his shamey cream. I don't love it, but it... <laughs> whatever. Is that everything on on our... I think for now, but now, we, we, now we've raised two more questions and do the alt-red supplements work and, and what does recovery actually do? Because I've read that the only thing that does recovery is eating and sleep. But like, do Normatex and compression socks work? So, Dude, F compression socks. I'm just going to say that here and now. I have one pair of compression socks that I wear, have worn in the past after a workout. Yeah. And every single time I wake up in the middle of the night in like a cold sweat, I can't feel my feet. They're like burning and I'm like, what is going on? So I don't wear those anymore, but I know you like them. Anyways, more deep dive. <laughs> what, what what are the people that do this like on TV that are like trying to disper- Mythbusters. Honestly. We need, we'll be- we're like triathlon mythbusters. Maybe that's what this segment should be. Triathlon Mythbusters. <laughs> what do you claim this one is? Myth busted or whatever they call it. Ooh. Uh, what do they say? It's like possible, plausible, and busted, right? Those are their categories? I think I've only ever seen busted. I don't think I've really? ever seen a single one where they're like, yeah, I think, I think possible. Yeah. I, I don't, well, I wouldn't I don't even know. go as far as say plausible, if I'm being honest. You would say just plausible? No, no, I'd say possible. I think plausible is one level up i think it's possible plausible bust oh shoot proven i don't know can we can we coin our own phrases i don't know i would <laughs> there are people screaming at their phones right now our massive mythbusters fans yeah i i didn't watch <laughs> we're <this>. just <laughs> totally watching this <laughs> I, I think there's i think there's some of it i think it's like i don't know i would say it's like 40 percent. i think Okay, Honestly. in Spanish, in first grade, I learned así, así. That's what you'd say? <laughs> yeah. I would say it's like any of these other products. I think it's just as effective as Bengay, probably. Yeah. I think it's probably just the same. Yeah. All right, cool. Great segment, Cam. Anyways, um, moving on, because <laughs> that was a big chunk of time. Next, um, quick Cam's Corner. Yes. Um, so I saw on Adidas website, just talking more carbon shoes, obviously, um, they announced, they're like, they didn't announce, but they were like, just like subtly released. Like, it looked like somebody was like, went into the, what, the code of the damn <laughs> website. 
Um, they're like big foamy shoes that we spotted at Houston this last year. Um, it looks like they have a 30, 35 millimeter stack height in the heel. Um, there is no mention of a plate of any kind in them, although the plate, it looks like there's an indentation in the foam where the plate would be. Um, but 35 millimeter heel that would rival the Vaporfly next percent. Um, it looks like they were originally listed for about 200 USD. So, which isn't like, sorry. which isn't prohibitive. Yeah, like I mean, I feel like an average for a top end shoe right now, right? With, yeah, I mean, I think everybody is ex- fully expecting to pay like 200 to 300 dollars for the ratio. Holy cow! Yeah. I'm not here for that. Yeah. I'm going to start barefoot running. <laughs> Anyways. What are those called? Do you know? I don't know. They, I mean, I don't know if they had a name. It just looked like they were like, somebody again went into the code and just like found. <laughs> They're just like available. Yeah. All right. Cool. And then the <sighs> Ultra Boost, did you mention those? Ultra Boost? What are you talking about? On their homepage? No. Is this a thing? No. <laughs> I, I just googled about. them and I was like, "Oh, new!" Like their Ultra Boost foam has been around for a while. All right, that's like their like no. flagship runners. I'll let you do the shoes. Anyways, okay, next segment. That was it for Cam's Corner. Wow. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Thanks for getting low and right around that corner. Anyways, <laughs> uh. so arrow Cam. So here we go. Um, basically, just like try news. Um. Our race, our next race, was finally canceled this last week in Des Moines. I'm going to just say it for the world to hear. I'm I'm pretty relieved that it was canceled. Oh, yeah? I'm bummed because we had plans to do this with our team. We were going to meet up with our coach, hang out with the super fam. Yeah. But I feel, and I feel very ready in terms of like run and bike fitness, but the swim is really stressing me out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's stressing everybody out. I know. The only people that can still swim are the Swedes. And Rennie and Tim. And people who live on, or have endless pools or live by the ocean. Yeah. I just am feeling, like, I was feeling very stressed about it, the impending race, kind of. Yeah, I just don't know why it took so long. There have been races now that have been canceled far in the future from that race in the end of June. They've been canceled. They've been People canceled have canceled like, events, in-person events, through the end of July. July, of August, yeah. September. The it's Olympics. Just, yeah, the Olympics were canceled. It's just like why if this like small, smaller race. Yeah, but even these races, these Ironman races, again, they all have international crowds. No matter where you go, mm-hmm. there's like uh, bound to be like an Aussie there, right? Or like just anywhere you go. So like, I don't know. It just takes one. Somebody's infected. Somebody gets infected. Takes it back to wherever they are, and right. And then this whole thing starts over again. Yeah. Okay. How fun would that be if it was seventy point three Des Moines? What do you mean? That just ruined the world all over again. I mean, I think seventy point three Puerto Rico probably brought it to Puerto Rico. I know. But anyways, um, so our next race wouldn't be until Thanksgiving weekend in November, and that's in seventy point three World Champs in Taupo, New Zealand. Um, that has since come into question. Um, so New Zealand, as of this date, what, May 3rd, is still in lockdown, which basically means they're not allowing anybody to, like, even leave their house. 
Um, they, what, they have like super strict borders. I don't think they're letting anybody leave or come in. So that's really interesting because... <laughs> Do you think they'll let hundreds of thousands, not hundreds of thousands, but thousands of thousands people, of people. Yeah, flood from, to their city from everywhere? From all over the world, yeah. Um, Hawaii, or I guess going into this topic of world champs being mm-hmm. in question, um, this was actually an article published on What's Up? Who We Love. Yeah, um, but... Whom We Love. Yeah, so... Hawaii is still requiring two weeks of may like mandatory quarantine for anybody entering the state. So a funny like what kind of making light of the situation, but in like the most positive way. Someone was like, "All right, boys, we're going to Hawaii and getting two weeks stay in the hotel." (laughs) Anyway, um, so that would obviously complicate Kona in October. Um, I guess Andrew Messick, the CEO of Iron Man, said that there is a possibility of delaying Kona until February of 2021, which would mean two different World Iron Man World Champs in the same calendar year, which would be very interesting. Um, I guess he says that there is going to be a decision that will be made by the end of this month, that being May. So hopefully that actually happens because at least we are looking at buying flights to New Zealand, which obviously aren't cheap, and, like, we need to buy that sooner rather than later so they don't jack up the price more, and... As soon as things open, I suspect that prices will jump. Yeah. I don't know. know. So, moral of the story is, Wits Up interviewed... Andrew Messick. Andrew Messick, and he says they'll make a decision on whether or not we're going to have 70.3 Worlds and Kona... By the end of this month. By the end of this month. Um, my question, so he said that they might do Kona in February. Did he say anything about, like, what will happen with qualification? Three worlds? No. No, he didn't say anything about that. So I think, like, that might be canceled. I think Iron Man obviously cares a lot less about 70.3 world champs because yeah. it's not, like, their flagship, what they're known for. Right. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think they're both going to get canceled? Yeah. I think they will, too. I do. I think they will probably do Kona in February. Next year? Yep. I don't... You think they're going to just like be like, nope. Honestly, I think there's going to be a rebound of this. I think there's going to be an initial rebound right like now here in the next couple months because people are opening up too early. Right. Which is my personal opinion. Right. Yeah. And then I think there's going to be a massive rebound next winter. If there isn't... like flu season comes. Yeah. If there isn't a vaccine developed by then. Which... There won't be. Well, you don't know that. But I know, but we need a year at least of clinical trials. It won't hit, like, you our don't, bodies. You don't need that. You sure? I mean, for general FDA-approved FDA drug, but, like, in a situation like this... Where, like, everybody's dying. Wild times, folks. Um, so... Wait, what do you think? I already said what I thought. You don't think, but I... I don't think either of them... I will be in February, and you don't think it will. I know. I don't think there's going to be any racing... For a long time. So then, I think question. I think World Champs isn't going to happen until like October of 2021. But Any I think I think that like local ish racing, like I think maybe a um, Ironman Muncie might happen with some restrictions next year. I don't think there'll be any big scale racing this year. I think that local racing, like a local 5K in Boulder, might happen if it's just mm-hmm. Boulder later this fall. Um, but. A lot of these smaller brands, uh, especially like triathlon race organizations, I think are definitely going to be shut down forever following this. 
whole thing. Just because they, they don't have any revenue themselves. and they don't have any savings because triathlon already isn't a big sport. Right. So, yeah. So, interesting times. So, sorry. Another what? question. What do you think will happen with qualifications? Like, we qualify if, for 70.3 Worlds. I don't in know. In Taupo. Yeah, but if knowing you were, knowing Iron Man, they'll probably just screw us over and be like, "You paid your dues. Like, we're gonna keep the five hundred bucks, and you have to qualify again next year." Honestly, because I don't know what they would do. I would I would let people who qualified now race in the next worlds. I mean, yeah, you being a good person, but Iron Man <laughs> literally is so obsessed with money right. that they will take our money say it was our fault for some reason for paying for it in the first place <laughs> and then charge us double or something to race again. Or be like... Because they're like, ask for a donation at the end of it or something. God, or be they'd like, be like, <laughs> you've already paid, we know that, but since next year's is in St. George, um, you have to pay for that $500 registration fee as well. And we're like, well, what happened with the other one? And we're like, we put it in our Pot. calamity fund. Or <laughs> Our act of God fund. Yeah, God. Interesting. Anyways. So I guess we'll find out. I mean, yeah, we've been predicting so much, and I feel like everything's actually we've had some pretty good predictions. Yeah, we have. Anyway, sorry. Okay, so on to race results, um, more virtual race results, and since we are off this last week, um, we've got a little bit of catching up to do. Um. So from, what, like two weeks ago, I guess, um, the Zwift Classic, the Watopia Cup, um, which was held on the jungle circuit in Watopia, um, which was actually kind of an interesting course um, because it was all on dirt roads, and like recently Zwift has updated to have gravel bikes and mountain bikes, and actually on the gravel, like dirt sections of Zwift, um, those bikes actually go faster than road or time trial bikes, which I find fascinating. fascinating. Um, fun I guess though. that's just in their code. Yes, yeah, so it is fun. So that race actually had everybody like drafting on mountain bikes through the jungle, which is really cool. And if you weren't on a mountain bike and hadn't done your research, you were like dropped instantly from the Peloton. Oh gosh. Yeah. But <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. It was pretty cool to see, but everybody seemed to choose mountain bikes over gravel bikes which I thought was very strange. Because in real life, everyone's choosing gravel bikes over mountain I guess, but in my mind, it just seems like a gravel bike, especially on like a non-technical course like Zwift is, Mm -hmm. it would be faster, like in their code. Yeah. Like just thinking like, okay, gravel bikes are basically just road bikes that are like light and and bigger tires. So like obviously you would think that they'd go faster than a big old clunky mountain bike. But everybody was on a mountain bike basically. Um, big, I think the best result thus far for the Super League Triathlon, like Zwift Classic team, Sophie Caldwell finished in sixth in that race, which was really impressive. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so moving on the next Zwift Classic race, um, Crit City, which was featured a lot in the virtual racing this last time, uh, is basically like a, a, like a crit. So have we ever explained like jungle circuit crit city watopia like what any of those are i mean because if i didn't know you i would have no clue okay so like they're just like different maps like mario kart maps sorry of, yes like zwift is there's like a bunch of different worlds watopia and, is one of them and the biggest world is watopia and that's like a literally like a made-up world and within this world there are different 
areas, I guess, sort of like Mario Kart loops. But imagine if all the Mario Kart loops had like a path to connect them all. So theoretically, you could ride to all these different Mario Kart maps and, th- and during the same Mario Kart lap. Nobody tell Nintendo. Yeah. We've come up with the most brilliant idea. Yeah, but um, Zwift also has real life maps that are based on real places in the world like Richmond, London, New York, Innsbruck. Yeah. And those are like actually like pretty true to scale. And they've actually had like things. Um, when was it? There was one time trial. I think it was in the Giro. And they actually had people race on the like time trial course in Zwift and then also in real life. Just kind of interesting to see how the times compared and everything. And they actually yeah. did a pretty good job. Anyways, that's a totally different divergent topic. Thanks for explaining that stuff. Um, so the next one, the Crit City Zwift Classic. It was a crit style, so it was like a bunch of different laps um, around the, a really short circuit. Um, notables on the men's Super League triathlon team. Vincent Louis finished 25th. Um, Alistair Brownlee finished 33rd. Their numbers that they put out were pretty impressive. They actually stayed in the main bunch the entire time, but they were just out-sprinted at the end. Mm. But... Um, Let's see, Vincent Louis put out three, an average of 393 watts or 5.7 watts per kilo. And Alistair put out 401 watts, which is insane, or 5.8 watts per kilo. And that was over 34 minutes, which is like insane. Golly. Um, yeah. They're so. so small and so strong. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> they weigh so little. Yeah, they really do. Um, okay, so on to the next race. Um, now time for like the Zwift Pro Tri-Series races. Um, so over on the women's side, let's start it there because it was a little bit more interesting. Basically, like during the event, I don't know what happened with Zwift, but typically when you're in a race, it's like closed off to the public. Yeah. Like, not public. It's like... It's like you have to log into the race. You have to, like, register yeah, to race. To race. To see exactly. You you sign up for the race, yeah. and then when you go off, nobody else in the entire virtual world exists except for those people who are in the race. But for whatever reason, during this race, that wasn't the case. I don't know if that was, like, that's a setting you can do. I've never hosted a race. But for whatever reason, it was, like, everybody in the world was still, like, biking with the race, <laughs> which, like, was weird. But basically what happened was... There was a break of Lucy Charles and Emma Pallant, and they got away, but they broke away with the Yates brothers, Simon and Adam. And for context, they're like pro Peloton riders. Simon Yates actually won the Vuelta de España in 2018, like the overall general classification. So, like, of all the people to have like caught up with this race i know so it's like those two brothers who are putting out just like i don't I don't know if they were like actually like oh we're in the race let's try and push and like yeah. mess things up or if they were just like doing their daily ride pushing like five watts a kilo which they might have been but they basically formed a break um with emma and lucy and definitely helped push them along but lucy ended up beating her out on the climb and then over on the men's side, we had Sam Laidlow, who won, Ant- Albert Moreno Mullins, who finished second, and Anthony Costes, who finished third. I guess after this one, there was like kind of a little bit of controversy. I think 
a couple, I don't know. I don't know who it was, but I know Lionel and some of the other people were calling people out for not using direct drive trainers or smart trainers. They were using like the virtual power, which, which is like what I use, which just requires a, like a speed and cadence, speed sensor. and cane sensor and like a wheel on trainer. Oh, I guess I don't use that. Do I? I no, you that. have power. Yeah. But with that too, you can kind of hack that, right? Which is what we've talked about with the Ironman VR specifically for the you can just take the resistance off your back wheel or just like reduce it right like it doesn't have to be at the highest level yeah right so (sighs) we have we still have so many feelings about virtual racing yeah but so going on to the next week um like just this past wednesday the third drift Zwift price pro tri-series which was across the also across the crit city loop um Basically, um, I guess this la- this last week, they required everyone to have a direct drive trainer and to be registered on Zwift Power. Oh. Zwift Power for everybody out there, it's like it's such a weird website. Honestly, you have Zwift that looks like really UI friendly and like nice, and this looks like <laughs> I don't know. It's it like looks... it's almost like Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> It really, but it's... It has, like, an image. It's just, it's just really bad, Strange. honestly. It's, like, it. you do, if I saw one look at it, I would not associate it with Zwift, yeah. honestly. It has nothing, no, like, really orange or anything, but it's basically, like, the official forum for, like, events and races and everything that's happening in the world, and that's where, I guess... I don't know who actually runs it. I would assume Zwift runs it, some team with Zwift, because they then go in and, like, they actually, like, validate all of the racing. Wow. And they will, like, actually pull people if something looks shady. So that's where you find the actual official results after the race. So what comes out on Zwift when you're racing, that's not necessarily official. It's, like, the unofficial results. Zwift Power is you have to sign up and do all this stuff and link your accounts, and then... That's where you see the official results for the thing. But um, that race, the third Zwift Pro Tri-Series also required the top five finishers to uh, submit their weight data. But I know a lot of people were submitting it anyways or taking pictures. Yeah. Um, what happened? So... Over on the women's side, we saw Sophie Caldwell, who obviously had that standout result from the Zwift Classics. She won. Um, Melanie Maurer in second, and Lucy Charles Barkley in third. This, I wanted to actually take a moment and talk about Lucy's strategy, because she actually posted her race on YouTube. Cam's note here is, Lucy has an interesting strategy. Yeah. She, like... (laughs) I, I mean, from her YouTube, what, what were you saying? From her YouTube, it sounds like she's doing, like, a workout. She's, yeah, right. And that that is what I was saying. Um, it feels like Reese, her coach, was like, all right, Luce, we're going to, like, log into this race and race it, but I want you to, like, throw in 30-second all-out efforts every five minutes or something, right? Yeah, it's And, so like, she's strange. doing this with, like, a race programming and like a race structure or rather a workout structure within a race yeah and not like and not racing this race right yeah like the strategy of racing it's just so interesting because what she does is basically she'll do like 
20 seconds, like seven watts a kilo, super hard, right? And Zwift, the game side of Zwift is like, oh, she wants to break away from this little bunch. Mm -hmm. And so her little avatar will fly out in front and then she'll back off the power and she'll go down to like three watts a kilo. So then Zwift is like, oh, she's backing off. We have to slow her down. She's obviously not drafting anyone because she's out front and the pack catches up with her. Because they're drafting. But she's not pushing enough power at that point to even catch back on to their draft. So it shoots her off the back. And then she has to push a ton of power to catch back up. It just seems like she's like hardly even drafting from what it seems like. Right. And that's hilariously like her interview before the workout was like, I'm hoping I can just like sit back and hang on and not do too much work. And then like. 25 seconds later she's like pushing 400 watts and we're like lucy what are you what happened to that strategy yeah it's so it, it, what is so interesting about this is that they seem reese and her feet seem very like invested in the racing yeah and they don't seem to be actually doing any strategy well that also i will say is something you've brought up a couple of times with regard to Zwift racing is that it is so different from real life racing. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like from spectating it and I'll get into it actually, but like from spectating it and everything, like your first couple times racing, you will just be destroyed and you'll have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> but like after you finally get the hang of it, you realize, okay, I know what I need to do to draft. Like these guys are pushing four Watts a kilo. I can probably push like three to three to three and a half watts a kilo and still stay in the draft and just sit on right and like that difference is huge for then i know what this course looks like i know there's a massive hill coming up and i'm going to push a ton of power because i've saved my legs and i'm going to go off the front and break away or, or like use a specific power up or something like yeah that. all the power ups that's super important too mm-hmm. it's just like lucy just seems to just completely be avoiding it which is so strange because She's sponsored by Zwift. She has a, all she does is ride indoors, basically. Speaking of, are we going to talk about her bike? Uh, she also put on her bike, and <laughs> like she she went through her bike setup. She has oh my god her indoor bike setup. Yeah, so like obviously she does a lot of bikes on her TT bike inside. She has a road bike inside, mm-hmm. but now she has the new Wahoo Kicker bike, which is like a it basically looks like a Peloton bike, but like. On like a Porsche Peloton bike. Yeah, it looks like a actual. It's not like a stationary bicycle by any means. But so she's got that, which I think what I said is thirty five hundred dollars. I can confirm. Um, then she has the headwind, the kicker headwind, which uh, how much is that? That was also the bike is thirty five hundred. Did you just say that? Yeah, the bike, the right. Wahoo Kicker bike is thirty five hundred. The Kicker Headwind retails for two hundred and fifty dollars. So we're up just under four grand. Yep, for and then this for this cycling indoor cycling setup. setup that, uh, mind you, can't go anywhere other than right there. I will say a very cool aspect of it that she pointed out is that you can pretty much put it in any position. So it's like a fit bike. Yeah, it so actually So you can is. change, what did she say, crank length? Yeah, you can change the crank length, the All reach, of the geometries. The, the, yeah, stack, all that stuff. The there are like saddle height. difficulty settings on the actual like flywheel. Yeah, it's obviously a smart trainer too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. nifty. It's really cool. Yeah, I just... If we didn't intend to ever ride outside... 
It's a good thing, yes. I would get it. But in my opinion, I think that still hooking up your outdoor bike to a smart trainer is probably the way to go unless you just have a ton of money. Yeah, or a So that you aren't, like, destroying your drivetrain, but even then, I don't know. But and even then, then. And then she's also on a Saris, um, what do they call that? The Saris, like, Infinity Trainer. She's on, like, this thing, and basically it, like, hooks up, yeah, the Infinity Trainer platform, and it basically, like, hooks up to your bike or your smart trainer, and it, like, rotates and glides and... Goes back and forth. And I all thought these this was things. her bike. This is no, not- no, 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 no. This is a separate oh. platform, and this what? retails for twelve hundred dollars. And this doesn't really do anything other than makes it feel like you're actually riding outside. Like when you go up an uphill, it inclines when you go down. No, no, down no, no. It doesn't do that. Things. That the kicker bike does that for okay. you. So that one is like the kicker climb. The bike is like the kicker climb because it'll also go up and down. It'll move up and down, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. This basically makes it seem like as you are out of the saddle, it'll like go up and back. And, like, if you rock back and forth, it'll, like, tilt back and forth. So the only thing it doesn't do is steer. At least to my knowledge, it does not steer. But there are now platforms that can steer, or, like, a training mat that can steer because Zwift is now implementing steering into the game. So basically, Lucy, the only thing that she's missing out from the difference of riding inside versus outside is the steering. So she just needs to put a mat on top of this Saris platform underneath her Wahoo kicker bike. Yeah. That allows her to turn her wheel. It's crazy. Anyways. Wild, man. Technology. This should have been Camp's Corner. Anyways. <laughs> this is all going back into the Zwift Pro Tri-Series 3 Crit City. So Yeah. Sorry. Total tangent, my fault. Total tangent. Um, I blame myself. But that was Lucy. Um, and then over on the men's side, Anthony Costas won in basically like a bike throw with Lionel Sanders. They literally had the exact same time across the line. It was a photo finish. Um, James Kunima got third. This one had a lot of the more, like, both on the women's and the men's side, were had a lot more names that I recognized. Mm-hmm. And I guess I, I would assume this is because everybody needs a direct drive trainer and to be on Zwift Power. So I think this is actually more true to who's actually, <laughs> like, yeah. good. Um fascinating yeah that's interesting Lionel also shared his like thing with on youtube i guess he actually is using <coughs> excuse me actually using three different power sources he's got pedal crank and his smart trainer it was interesting to just compare the two and like his power curves and everything but i he seemed more impressed like more satisfied and pleased with the results of this one because every you could look at everybody else's data mm-hmm. and what devices they're using, etc. Okay, so while we're on the subject of Zwift, I actually had a Zwift race this last Heck week. Heck yeah, you did. Yeah, so I had a Zwift race. Um, a, it was kind of interesting. I don't know. I it was, was very interesting. Apparently, you can't just log into Zwift and watch races, but if you could, I would. That was like the most excitement I've had in years. I think you can. <laughs> Yeah, Morgan like was super into. It. Was she so was like pumped. in Indians. What is this? Cross, cross-legged, cross-legged, whatever pose. Like right next to my bike trainer, like watching this whole time. I hit her with my sweat rag. Like mid thing, because she was too close to the thing. The she was like counting the people on the leaderboard who were still like 
in the race. It was so interesting. It was like very exciting though. And watching how you guys all jockey for position, position and there yeah. is a ton of strategy behind it. And yeah. also just like seeing how hard you're working and yeah. the ability to work so hard when it is a like competition yeah. is very, very cool. So that, that week I had like an FTP test. We both had FTP tests. We like, have new FTPs everywhere. Yeah, we had it like two days before the race. I upped my FTP by nine watts, and you upped yours by what, 14? 16. 16 watts. But anyways, racing with this new FTP, I was in the A category for the first time. I've always ra- I've raced, I think, two or three times in the past. I've always gotten my butt kicked because I didn't know what I was doing, basically. Um, and I've always raced in the past previously in the B category. But um, racing the A category for the first time... Um, and I definitely think spectating all these Zwift races has helped, mm-hmm. especially with strategy. So things I've learned, one tip actually I learned, um, obviously warm up before your Zwift race, that's vital, but I try and hop into your like corral, like join the event a little early because the earlier you join your corral, actually it'll like situate you towards the front of the corral first. Oh, so if you join super late, you might join towards the back. And that is actually very vital because the start of Zwift races is super fast and furious. And that's where like you can literally have somebody break away and stay away. And you'll never even know that that happened. But I was like right in the front row, which is helpful. And again, pushed a ton of watts. A ton, a ton of watts. You had the highest... Well, no, I pushed the tunnel watts at the beginning, I'm saying. Oh, yeah, I thought you were going to go out for the whole thing like that. Cam was up at like 6.50, and I was like, Cam! <laughs> yeah, that's what you need to do, though. It's so silly. But basically, uh, the Peloton eventually forms. I was racing with a couple of my teammates. Uh, yeah. Mitch and Nick. And others. No, I, oh, yeah, and others, yeah. But they were also in the Greg, A Greg, I think. I, and <laughs> Levi. Levi was racing, too, yeah. Um... Who other notables? Eric Engel was also racing in this race, which is so surprising. He's actually the guy who beat me at seven point three Ohio in my home race. Um, yeah, but anyways, the race was around the Innsbruck Ring in Zwift, which is uh, in Innsbruck, Austria. Or I guess that's what it's like modeled after when the World Champs were held there. It's like pretty much super flat, except there was one climb called the Leg Snapper. Dude, and the cobbles. I don't know. What did that change? It just was so loud. Oh, you I didn't can't hear it because Cam has music in. I was but playing the, music every time you go over the cobbles. It's like <laughs> actually another little quick Cam's corner. Yes. Uh, the tack. I don't know how to pronounce it. The T A C X. I I would say the tack X trainers. Um, they actually like will vibrate or try and create a like sensation. When you go over cobbles or like wood planks in Zwift, which is very Am I the only one that would hate that? I personally would hate that too. Okay. Yeah. I have my phone like not on vibrate, no noise. I don't know. I wouldn't Can't like that, but that. I don't know. It creates more road-like feel. But anyways, yeah, every lap, it was four laps. Um, every lap, the main deciding factor was basically the leg snapper and it was pretty cool. I mean, you got to like power up for it and like really go off. I think I was typically around, what, like five or six watts a kilo going up that climb. It was wild, man. How many laps did you do? Four, did you Four, say? yeah. And every time you, we would drop like one or two guys. So at the end, I think there were like six guys maybe in the final in the like final like pack. pack. Yeah. But in the end, 
Here, okay. So we'll go through. <laughs> we had two different perspectives. We had two different perspectives. Yeah. And unfortunately, we don't have the luxury of like screen instant recording it. Instant replay or whatever. Or instant replay. Yeah. So what for, what happened on mine, or at least from what I saw, is that I was with the pack going up this climb. And the leg snap. The leg snap for the final time. And I was like in second maybe. And then this one guy went off the front going like 12 watts a kilo or something nuts for like a minute. That's how long the climb is like only a minute long. But he seemed to go off the front and get about like seven seconds from the pack. And then like I would say according to my perspective, us as a pack caught back up with him with like a K to go. And then I basically when i thought i outsprinted him right at the line and i thought i won okay and my view and what i'm pretty sure is like actually what, what, what a- apparently what actually happened was that they were going up the leg snapper this guy like put in his surge and he went out and stayed out cam in the lead pack like caught up to them cam you passed like three guys who were in the lead pack who were just like a meter in front of you like passed those two and i saw the little guys like flag like icon ahead of you and you like just caught up with him and you both crossed at like virtually the exact same moment but the whole time like your little thing your number said second like the whole finish yeah and so i'm pretty sure that's what happened so apparently he must have just gotten away on the climb and stayed away but you 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 out sprinted him i think you out sprinted him but just didn't catch up like literally what was the time differential it was a second so you just barely missed it 0.86 So I think you put in a harder sprint, but he put in that surge at the top of the hill that you didn't end up catching him on. Yeah, but it, it was, was a wild ride. It was though, a cool, folks. cool Oof. race. I touched like I think I touched like what I think eleven hundred watts. What the do they have your max? Um, well, it looks like I put in eleven point three watts a kilo, but I don't know what that converts to. I'll do it. How many kilo are you? It's like seventy two. Is this right? Yeah. Is that the right math? That's not right. That's for 15 oh. seconds, though. I don't know what my final Never is. mind. You did a great job. A lot of power. So strong. But, um, yeah, it was cool. I have another race coming up this next week. It'll be cool. It is very interesting, though, because, um, again, like, just the, the, the power-ups and the strategy of it is so interesting. And, like, you got to time your sprint right, especially when it comes down to a sprint, because... Like there were a couple guys that went early and I mm-hmm. just like didn't put on my sprint yet. I just like hung on and stayed in their draft. And then like for whatever reason, Zwift then just like slingshots you out just like it does in real life. It's so cool. But anyways, it was really cool. Very exciting. We've seen the sprint be pretty much the deciding factor in every single race other than that one that Lionel beat everyone by like three minutes or something ridiculous yeah but he almost got caught i know but but again like the sprint is real it matters every single component of it matters from where you corral up where you're seated to when you use your power-ups that was another thing with lucy that like you noticed she used an arrow power-up like a lap before the last lap yeah and then she got like a ghost power-up and i'm like why would you have used that like you didn't need to use that you could have just hung on and saved that arrow power-up anyways there's a lot of strategy. Yeah. Okay, so... Moving on. Moving on. Iron Man VR. Yeah. I'm like... I like <laughs> don't even focus it. on this anymore. <laughs> it's so sad. But oh. in VR4, which is the one that we missed from last week, the winners were Emma Pallant and Arnaud Guillaume. 
And from this week, just this last weekend, um, the winners of VR number five, which is actually the half Ironman distance, and our, I wouldn't say our good friends. I like them a lot. Eric and Paula both competed. Uh, we don't even know them. Yeah, but <laughs> I said hi to them in Indian one. That's true. I don't know if we mentioned this on the podcast. We said hi to them after the race, and Paula was like, hey, do I recognize you guys? And we were like... I cheered you on in the middle of the race, but uh, do you want to just hang out? They got a new puppy. They got a new puppy. Flynn. Yeah. We Anyways, VR5. Um, Cam's best friends, Eric and Paula. <laughs> they're not my best friends. I just think they put out good stuff. They do. Um, Judith Corchin and Joe Skipper were the winners of that. Joe Skipper's an interesting dude. I like him. All right. He, I don't, he like talks, he like talks. He, like, talks trash, but not to the level of Cam Worf, somehow. It was just weird to me that at the end of the race, he was like, I'd like to thank all of my competition for competing. I was like, sir, what? <laughs> I don't know. He, was it was cool to see him win, what, New Zealand, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was, like, super emotional about With, it. Uh, well, he is very connected to that community. Yeah. And then he broke the course record. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, I think he knew the whole time. He was, like, pacing himself for it. That was his goal. Um, yeah. He literally said, "Like, well, he's broken people, every time in the past, right? But he's but, got beaten. Yes, that's what he said. I've had to got, I've had to be beaten to break the course record or something. You, you psyched me out of my quote. There was a quote in my head. Anyways, Anyways. Um, oh, you other, have to win to break the course record, is what he said. So, there. Okay. Anyway, in <laughs> other news, the Professional Triathletes Organization announced the PTO." Announced that Challenge Daytona um, will have a $1 million prize purse. Which, it, to which triath memes responded. For everyone out there, explain triath memes. It's just an Instagram account. I feel like it's that's It's like intuitive. a triathlon meme account. And we're pretty sure we know who runs it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who runs it. <laughs> um, they said, oh, the prize purse for a race that will never happen is $1 million. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like Dr. Evil. Yeah. It cracked me up. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> um, that is set to take place one week after New Zealand 70.3 World Champs. So which is late also, November. Which is set to possibly be canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know what to think about that. I think it's interesting because, uh, like, I think any PTO member will probably, I mean, there's... All the PTO members already are like super stoked about this and all announced that they'll be racing it if it happens. Um, but I don't know if they realize that what they're signing up for is a week after that. So yeah, well, and they have to, right? It's in their contract. To <laughs> probably, race it. probably, yeah. So Godspeed to them. That'll be an interesting race. We know Paula Finley does Won great <clears throat> with the. Well, she did. The back-to-back. Yeah. She did yeah. Indian Wells and then this. Yeah. So, we'll see. Um, next, the ITU Grand Final was canceled, and that was set to take place in Edmonton, Canada, on from October 17th, or October, good grief, from August 17th to August 23rd. I thought that was really big news. That basically, like, in my mind, means that literally nothing is going to take place the entire ITU season. Yeah, I mean they've been they have been ahead of the curve with canceling. True. So. Yeah. I respect that a lot. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I would assume that nothing happens to the ITU series. Uh, the only thing that might happen with the short course racers is maybe Super League afterwards, like late, later fall. But, again, in my opinion, nothing will happen. But, anyways. Okay, so next, Lionel just recently actually posted that he now holds, like, every Mount Lemon kom on strava imaginable um kom is king of the mountain yeah so there's like for whatever reason mount lemon is in tucson arizona and for whatever reason there's like (laughs) three different kom segments and everybody apparently thinks that each one is more official than the other but anyways he so lionel was like i'm just gonna do them all so he now has all of the koms um over some pretty notable triathlete or he also he has him over sam long another notable triathlete who actually resides here in boulder and then phil i think it's phil guyman that's how you pronounce it um he's a retired pro cyclist who now is like basically job is to hunt strava segments he's like a hill (laughs) he's like a hill climber now but there's also been some other like i think tom danielson he's another pro peloton rider who's gone up but we also know heather jackson and paula finley attempted it yeah has the qom the queen of the mountain yeah or at least on one of this i don't know which mount lemon it is but she holds him one of the qoms on one of those mount lemon segments anyways so i wanted to get into this last thing about what we think about strava (laughs) i have so many feelings i'll i guess mine are probably more abbreviated i so i like Obviously, for our data, we both have Garmin's, and we do our workout on Garmin, and then we take that data and we upload it to Training Peaks so that our coach Nick can look at it, and so we can look at it. So we can look at it, yeah. But basically, I we basically use Training Peaks is what I would say, but like like for the majority of the time, Strava. I don't even know how to describe it. It's social media. It's social media workouts, I guess, is the best way to describe it. It is so wild to me. That's why I hate it. Like, what you're saying right now, we use Garmin for ourselves and our coach. We use Training Peaks for ourselves and our coach. I'm not here to share my workouts and compete about how my, like, whatever eight intervals went the other day versus your eight intervals. Like, that's so wild to me. But you don't even compare your eight intervals to like uh, people doing other eight intervals you would compare like just that random segment to somebody else's random segment and but I that's mean, only the kom qom thing there is like you can look at other people's like results and be like oh their fastest mile is five seconds faster than mine i need to go out and right. run my fastest mile so i'm better than km hackett like right but so you could technically see anybody's workout any like at any time I hate it. Yeah, I think it's kind of weird too, especially because like we pay for a service from Nick, <laughs> and then it's like okay, yes. let's just publish this data on Strava for everybody to just see what two <laughs> decent triathletes are doing to like train for everything. Right. I have seven followers on Strava. Yeah. It... I people have requested to follow me on Garmin. Yeah. And I find that like. Low same, key a little inappropriate. But it's the same sort of thing. It's like they have access to all of your like workout and heart yeah. rate and sleep data. And it's really? Just, they have sleep data? That's, yeah, Garmin tracks that stuff. I know, but could like if I follow you on Garmin, could I see yours? Probably, if Let's you allow test that access. The theory. 
But I, I don't know. It just, in it's my so opinion, competitive. It's like, yeah, I think it's negatively competitive. Yes. Honestly, it's the it's it's negatively competitive, detrimentally competitive. The exact same way that Instagram is detrimental to people's like mental health and well being. Like, if I see someone I know's fastest mile is faster than my mile. Do you know how that makes me feel? You know how competitive I am. Our listeners know how competitive I am. Yeah. Like, I can't I can't handle that. Yeah. I don't want to know. I just want to know on race day, am I faster than you? I don't care what your training times are. Yeah, it's just... Rather, I do care, and I just need to protect myself from that. Yeah. I don't even know what I was going to say. Sorry, I'm very hyped. We should have planned this out. Yeah. It's just, from the stories that I've heard from people using Strava... It's like somebody has a KOM and they're like very proud of it, like obnoxiously proud of it. And then whenever it gets broken, they will like, like make a point to instantly go out and then do that segment again and do it just like insanely crazy fast. And I know someone the, who literally does that. Yeah, to just do the QM or the KOM again. And mm-hmm. the same thing is so like. Like, yes, it's good competition for, like, Lionel and, like, trying to get out there, but, like... It verges on obsession with him, too, though. Like... Yeah. It's it's competition, and I know we're all, like, thirsting for competition specifically right now, and I think that's why so much of this has, like... But it's also... Up. The other thing that's frustrating to me is that it Strava, for those KOM and QOM things, literally just takes whoever the best time is. I don't know what the sort of, like like what what i'm trying to say like limits of that are like do you need to always have power data or hurry data or can it just be the fastest time well we've seen there's one qom near us i was literally just like poking around the other day and i found one and they were going 50 miles an hour with no heart rate data on their bike and it's like they have power data no, I don't think so. I can look for it again. So then it's like, are they just like turning their Garmin on in their car? Right. It could be literally anything. I just, it's yeah. the same thing with this virtual racing. It's just so murky. Yeah. It, yeah. And it's just not like standardized. And the other thing that's so frustrating is that a lot of KOMs or QOMs happen on like super windy days. And so then people will go out and hunt like just like they'll be like ooh now is a super good day to just go hunt KOMs. Yeah. It's like uh okay. The the two leaders of the 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 segment I'm talking about didn't have heart rate data, didn't have power data and I don't know what VAM is, but no one has that. But it's just like someone went 1000 watts. Yeah, it's possible. Okay, but they lost to someone who went 4400 watts or a, or 166 watts. Which yeah. just, that just means that somebody was definitely just out there on a super windy day. Yeah, like drafting. A, yeah, in hurricane force winds. Like 51.4 miles per hour. It's just like... Yeah, but that's just the thing. It's like, why... I don't know. I would just rather everybody be compared on a race day, like under yeah. given conditions, rather than just all time. The other thing that's weird is like... And I looked, like I was on a like Strava forum this last week or something on Reddit or something, and they're like, why don't... Reddit or no, why don't why don't Strava segments ever expire? Oh, and it's like oh that's kind of a good idea because then like after a year then like people have a chance to get a Strava segment and like be KOM or something and then people are like yeah but 
do world uh, do <laughs> Record. world records ever expire? And like, it's like okay, no, but world records are also like. Sam Long's Strava name is Sam parentheses big unit long. Yeah, that's his name on everything. <laughs> really? Yeah, but like yes, but world records are also like under a given like condition. Right. You know. Yeah. Like you can't run a hundred, like the hundred meter dash, like you can't ha- ha- run that if the wind is, or it's not like standard if the wind is so strong, on over right. a certain point. So it's I don't. There Anyways, are parameters. There are variables with everything. Yeah, I just, I'm not really about it. It's funny that you were on a Strava forum. I feel like we both have gone through these phases where we've been like, maybe, maybe we do want to just like be a part of it. And then I have start, it. And then you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I have it. I don't even know why I have it. I think I ha- got it because it like gave me a jersey on Zwift. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have one to have one. Oh no, I think it's because Bont cycling shoes yeah. has a challenge. And I was like, oh, yeah. if more of these things have challenges that are have giveaways to like win a free pair of bike shoes, then I should just sign up just to... See if I can win those bike shoes. Right. But otherwise, I don't foresee myself competing in any KOMs or QOMs. I do like Zwift racing, though. I feel like we do our own. Like, and I think that's something that I want to talk about in a future episode. And I know I've, like, talked to you about it a couple of times is, like, goal setting. Yeah. And, like, feeling proud of yourself. Yeah. For any level, right? It's so hard to set goals when they are against other people like when I first started out in triathlon I used to be like I want first place or I want to be x number of people completely basing everything off of other people yes and I think it's very hard and it's it's also a little naive in a lot of ways with in terms of like personal performance right yeah like it's impossible to know who's going to show up it's impossible to know if this person even with Zwift racing had like their wheel attached right, right? Like right. instead you need to look at your own power outputs and your own personal goals based on your own performance. And like I would like to have my fastest time through this like segment, right? Right. We break up our bikes into segments too as it is. Like Niwat Road, right? Those kinds of things. Like how many laps can I get in this one segment in an hour? I guess, yeah. I mean you're just like you have benchmarks for yourself and I think it's really dangerous like especially for myself personally i recognize it as really dangerous to like compare myself yeah i'm literally on strava right now just like poking around as i'm talking crap about it and i'm like what's her best mile time i'm like all right morgan get off this is not where you belong yeah it's just it's dangerous it, yeah, for a certain I, again, type it of just, person it just definitely breathes the same sort of negativity that like facebook does or instagram mm-hmm. but like i i don't even know I don't know. I guess the positive side of it is it is encouraging people to get out and it is it is, it is encouraging some sort of competition. Yeah. Not like a set event. But I, for whatever reason, I think that it breeds more negative competition than it does positive competition. I mean, if you just look at, and I know Lionel's like one person in a sea of a million, but like if you look at his most recent video about his KOM yeah. attempt, immediately after completing the segment... He's, like, very angry. And afterward, he's like, I'm really sorry I was so angry. Like, that was a lot of adrenaline, right? But at the same time, it's like... Yeah, but he also goes in to say that this was, like, a... Like, a, it was a good challenge while it lasted, but, like, yeah. I'm definitely finished with this, and... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Anyways. Um, <laughs> that could have been a whole episode. Um, so, thank you for listening. Yeah. Upcoming, we will, or at least we're planning on having another interview. Yes, hopefully. Working on scheduling, but... It should be good. It'll be a good one, so stay tuned for that. Um, wanted to say thank you, everyone, to responding to our most recent Instagram story for some recommendations. Yeah. About what it we should talk about. It freshened up our list, I think. We now have a pretty lofty list of ideas or segments that we can talk about. Um, upcoming, we are, I guess, like on that topic, one of the things that we definitely will be talking about. Um, the first of our rec- the first of our requests. Um, we would definitely want to talk about our next episode, our top five triathlon memories thus far. Which is funny because we were actually talking about that on a run, like just the other day. Literally, I think the day we posted. But we weren't talking about our top five. We're talking about what's been our best, like yeah. number one. Yeah. Which is we'll have to like qualify that for ourselves when we like plan this out. Yeah. Like, do we want it to be like the? the like the best best performance best happiest memory most important memory yeah i don't know we'll see yeah we'll see it'll be good but thanks for tuning in everybody so we will see you in the next one